0: This is Jim Weber, and welcome back to James and the Giant QB. I am honored to be joined by ESPN's NFL insider, Adam Schefter. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate having me. So you were just on SportsCenter, and I thought you had a great line about how this Ezekiel Elliott story is one of the NFL's many endless sagas. You've got this, Deflategate, Colin Kaepernick. Um, What is it like? Do you ever get to the point that the rest of America gets to where you're just like, I just can't? do another day of another twist and turn in these endless stories? I never get to that point, Jim, but I would say that it's difficult because it's a
1: little bit like grasping at smoke. You don't know what's (laughs) there and what's not. You don't know where it's going next. Usually when we're tracking stories, covering stories, they're involving a head coach being hired or fired, a trade being made or not made, a player being injured, football-related items. And this brings in so many other factors that involve domestic violence and collective bargaining and legal process and judicial hearings and things of the sort that we're not used to covering. And I have to be honest and say just, you know, when we're talking about whether Jerry Jones would take on Roger Goodell and what would happen if and when he gets his extension, which I think we all believe he's going to get now. What he would do you I, do? I don't know because I've never seen an owner <laughs> challenge a commissioner who's got an extension before. I don't know what yeah. happens there. I don't know what happens when he hires a high-profile attorney and where the story develops and goes from there. It's difficult to predict these things. And ordinarily, you know, I've covered this sport since 1990, 27, almost 28 years doing this. But these are different deals. Like, they're not as easy or as predictable as other stories that we've all sort of watched unfold
0: yeah now I've seen you interviewed in the past and I thought it was interesting you said that you sleep in small increments of a couple hours at a time yeah. and then you wake up do more work how many hours of sleep would you say you get a day
1: you know every day is different Jim I mean typically look my wife makes fun of me that I just get into bed and I fall asleep right away I have no problem but I, I typically don't sleep much longer than two three hour bursts and I mean, I, I'll i be honest, a lot of times I wake up, you know, I'll see that I missed a text. Um, last night it happened. Uh, other times I wake up, I'm so excited to see whether who I picked up on the fancy football waiver wire or NBA <laughs> fancy basketball waiver wire, and I start making moves, and I start answering emails, and all of a sudden my mind's racing, and I'm thinking of things I got to get done, and, and you fall back asleep for a couple of hours. So I don't know. There's no set pattern here, but I know that uh, it's very rare and unusual for me to go five, six straight hours with, with, out waking up in between. I mean, it's more like you know two hours here and three hours there. Um, and I don't know. It's just sort of the way that my body has gotten used to function. There are plenty of coaches who get up, you know, every morning at three in the morning, four in the morning. There are people who work on morning news programs to do the same thing. There are people who work night shifts, day shifts, morning shifts. All kind. Of, you know, this just happens to be how I live my life. It's not anything different or anything new than anybody else.
0: Yeah, do you have any time where you're officially off the clock? Because I know that even during workouts now, you have your cell phone because one time you went to a workout and you missed the Rams trading for the pick that got them, Jared Goff.
1: I will say I think that's the most challenging, one of the most challenging parts of the job these days is it honestly feels relentless. It just feels like it never stops. And just when you think that, you know, you're past something, you're not because something else comes up. And back when I was a newspaper writer for almost 16 years and I covered the Denver Broncos out in Colorado, which I love doing, it was always, okay, I know you filed three newspapers, uh, three stories to the newspaper today and you filed a long takeout for Sunday, But but what are you doing for tomorrow? And it was just always like that. And I think more and more this job has become like that where, okay, a story breaks. And it's a big deal until the next story comes along, which is twenty minutes later. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: and 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 it's sort of this um, breathless sprint um, where you really—I I think that's the best way to describe it. I love my job; I wouldn't trade it. I'm not qualified to do any other things, but you just feel in this job like you can never catch your breath. If that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was wondering about the two cell phones. So I believe one is just for yeah. texting and the other is for calls, or is it personal and business? Well, I, I don't know that it's
1: that simple. I mean, I just have a primary cell phone and I have a secondary cell phone. I, I'm talking on my secondary cell phone while I watch my primary one in case any texts or emails pop in right now. Got it. And so it's just the, just the way that I do it. Um, the number I'm calling you from, I don't even actually know the number. I just know that I have a second number. <laughs> And I know my primary number, um, but, again, they're two different phone carriers, providers, because sometimes you're in a bad cell spot. They're two different battery lives. They're um, two different numbers. Um, I don't know, just sort of the way that it's evolved over the years. So it wasn't anything that I planned or anything like that.
0: Yeah. Now, I also thought it was a great tidbit that you said that the first month you were at ESPN, they didn't give you endless minutes. So the bill was, you know, like $5,000 or $6,000. I also think it's really interesting that whenever you pick up a phone call or answer a text on air, that the Internet goes Mm -hmm. crazy laughing about it. I was wondering, did you talk to ESPN executives and they said – take the calls we want you working at all times or is it just organic and you just take it because you can't miss it i've only taken a few calls on air over time and
1: i think that if you do this long enough you you have a sense of what you need to take and what you don't and what's going to be important and what's not and there are certain people at certain times with certain issues that you just know this is the call i'm waiting for and those are the only times that i've done it on air um trying to think of the actual times, but um, that I did it on air. Um, I know last week on sports center was a certain issue that I was dealing with. And I thought that was the call. And the guy was calling to tell me, Hey, hang tight. Uh, I'll have something for you here in a little bit. So it just wasn't ready at that point in time, that piece of information. Nobody at ESPN has ever said to me, Hey, uh, we want you to answer your phone on air, but they have said to me once I've done it, we don't care. And I do know that when I got the ESPN, and back in the day when I was on the BlackBerry, I would take my BlackBerry on air, and that evolved into iPhones on air. And I know, and, and I and I feel a certain sense of pride in this that nobody ever did that really before. Um, and all of a sudden, you started seeing it sprouting up all over to the point where when they're doing presidential elections, everybody's got their phone with them and they're <laughs> yeah. answering and they're texting. And and um, you know, I was doing some radio show a couple of years back, and the guy introduced me as the first guy to use his cell phone on air i hadn't thought about it like that and um i thought well if that's the line that
0: they use in my obituary i, I can live with it. <laughs> or i'd be dead with that i'd be dead at that point but i can live with it anyway yeah yeah well i think it's funny that i think people enjoy it because it kind of gives them a peek behind the curtain of what goes on so i found it very funny whenever people uh freak out on twitter when they see you run off stage with a, a call yeah
1: well again I- i'm not gonna do it regularly like my wife's calling i'm not going to pick it up on air (laughs) and i'll call her back when the segment's done but like i said there are certain um situations at certain moments that call for it i would never i would never do it unless i felt like it was important and if somebody's watching and i answer my phone on air um i'd like to think that i'm doing it because i believe it to be a significant call
0: yeah at that time now i also find it really funny that you are, one, really into fantasy NBA, but daily fantasy. Love. Yeah. Love. Which just blows my mind. And that you also have a fantasy NFL team, and I hear that there's a, a track record of great names. You have the, the false rumor mongers, I believe, one year was your name because of Al Davis saying uh, yeah. that about you. Do you have a clever name this year?
1: Uh, my two teams are named in my two leagues, per sources. Nice. So... It's not very clever. It's not very unique, but it, those are my teams, Jim. So that's what we go with right now. And and one team's five and four, and the other team's four and five. And the, the outlook is bright for the five and four team, <laughs> and not so bright for the four and five team. Both teams lost Odell Beckham Jr. One te- the four and five team also lost Dalvin Cook. So it's a sixteen team league. And my top two picks are Beckham and Cook, and I obviously lost both those. I was four and zero when they lost them. I have not won a game
0: since. Yeah, I was wondering when when you see these injuries, are you like the rest of America, where you like are pulling your hair out, saying "Please be okay," or are you trying? Is it kind of background noise to the job you're reporting on? Both. If I'm going to be honest,
1: yeah. I mean, you know, you you obviously are very concerned professionally, and you know that it's your job to follow up on that injury. But if a guy like Odell Beckham goes down. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think, and and he's on your fancy team, of course, you feel like anybody else would at that particular moment, right? Yeah. So it's your job to go get that information, and maybe I'll be even more aggressive about finding out about my own guy than I would another guy. But, you know, you never want to see the injuries happen to anybody at any point in time. That's the bottom line, but yes, there's a personal and professional side to this.
0: Yeah, what intrigues me about the fantasy NBA is that you said that you previously didn't care at all about the NBA, but you got hooked on this daily right. fantasy. How did that come about? I don't even have an answer to you other than I just kind of tried it one night, and I
1: loved it. It's sort of like, I guess, somebody that goes to an OTB and bets you know, the trifecta or something like that, and they go, oh, this is kind of fun. And um, it just works out. It works out to be pretty good, and you enjoy it. And so, you know, it's, it's, I, I've kind of joked with one of my friends that it's, it's like a cigarette break to me. That, that's kind of how I consider it. I, I, I view it as a cigarette break.
0: Yeah. Uh, another story I thought was amazing was when you said Chris Paul called you to come with him to his fantasy NFL draft, and you helped him out. Did you already yeah. know him, or you just randomly got a call, and he said, Hey, this is Chris Paul. Can you help me out?
1: Oh, he actually went through somebody at ESPN and got my number and and um, called me up. And and <laughs> Again, I wasn't following the NBA much at that time. I was not as into it then as I am today. So to me, it was like, okay, um, Jim Weber's calling me, Chris Paul's calling me, my wife's calling me. It, it, it didn't really mean that much to me, to be honest with you. Um, but obviously, I have great respect for his work and Type of player that he is, and, and, and I've come to like him as a person. And, and, and we've had uh, uh, numerous phone conversations about who he's picking up and what he should do, and basketball, and uh, a, little, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. He's, he's, a, he's a good guy. I'm, I'm a CP fan.
0: Yeah, now I know this has been a gradual process because you worked at the Denver Post, then you went to the NFL Network, and now you're at ESPN. But at some point along there, you become one of the biggest celebrity, celebrity journalists in sports, huh. when did you okay. realize, you know, when you go out in public now, you're going to be stopped. People are going to ask you about fantasy team or insider information.
1: Right. You know, I, I, I really don't think about it like that. I, I,
0: cause to me, I'm just, you know, the same guy
1: that is just tried to work hard. And, and I know that people do have fancy questions and, and, and they want to ask those things sometimes and discuss football and, you know, I, again, that, that's that's part of my job, and that's the way it goes. And I'm flattered and honored, you know, when that happens. I, again, you're, you're, you're describing this in a way that I don't really think about very often. Um, it's not how I think about my life. Uh, you know, I feel very fortunate and blessed to have the life that I do. I don't, I don't know when it sort of happened. I didn't set out to do any of this. It's all been sort of accidental to me. You know, I, I wanted to be a newspaper Sports columnist somehow wound up uh, doing football television reporting, and you know I never trained for that. Well, I don't say I didn't train for it. I I didn't set out to train for it. Of course, when I was out in Denver for 15 plus years covering the Broncos, uh, every now and then I would do some TV and radio on the side. But I, I really never thought that I would make a living in that, and it just sort of evolved over time. And I know that there are a lot of young people today that when you talk to them, what do you want to do? I want to be on camera. I want to be a sports. And I ne- that was never my goal. It's never my goal. My goal was just to work hard and to try to be a, a good, solid sports reporter. And, and it sort of wound up where I am today. And, um, you know, whatever recognition comes along with that is a blessing. But it's not something I sought out or dreamed about achieving because, it, honestly, it's, it's beyond my dreams.
0: Yeah, one of the moments where I really realized just how big you had become is when Jim Harbaugh asked you to be the honorary captain for the Air Force game and you went out for the coin flip and you actually spoke to the football team. Where did that rank on your all-time professional achievements to sit there and, you know, you at one point were a reporter for the Michigan Daily as was I, that's how I know you, and then now yeah. for, you know, almost 30 years later to be talking to Michigan's football team and imparting wisdom to them. That seems like it had to have been a really surreal moment.
1: Well, you know, the great part about that, Jim, was that I was able to um, invite my college roommates and my college friends. And so they all came with me to the Michigan practice on Friday where I got to speak to the team. And they were in awe walking into that facility and being amongst the players and the team And being a part of the process before the regular season home opener against Cincinnati. And so they they loved it. And to me, you know, the best part, one of the best parts of this job is being able to share it with others. And, you know, I remember walking in and one of my buddies who lives in the Boston area, uh, he, he was over the moon. Like he was so excited. And then I got to address the team. And then right after I did, Coach Harbaugh did. And he said, all right, gather around everybody. And all my friends were right there. So literally I looked over, and there's my brother-in-law and one of my college roommates kneeling down next to Wilton Spade right in front of Coach Harbaugh. as he's giving that little pep talk before the home opener. And I thought, this is just funny. You know, it's hysterical to me. And the fact that everybody was able to enjoy it as much as they did uh, carried great meaning for me.
0: Yeah, I'm curious, you know, The NFL now is 24-7, 365, but I was wondering, do you carve out three hours on a Saturday to go nuts for Michigan football, or is there just no time for that?
1: Um, Listen, I I like to see them do well, and and I like Michigan football, and and the bigger the games are, the more interested I am. Um, I'm not sitting at home every single Saturday with my afternoon revolving around Michigan football the way it did for a long time. I just don't have the time. Yeah, you know, I'm with my family. I'm getting ready for the show on Sunday. Uh, there's errands that you know you you don't have a lot of time. it's just I'm basically being a regular person. So if if Michigan happens to play on a Saturday night and we're home as a family and we're sitting around uh, watching, that's great. I have a, a son who's a senior in high school. He's applying to Michigan. If he goes next year, he gets into the school, and he goes, uh, I would think that that would be a little bit more of a rallying cry within my family and more of an excuse to sit around and watch football together. So um, that would be one more reason I'm rooting for him to be able to go to Michigan other than I think it's a great place. And I think he'd be very happy because I think all of a sudden now my wife and my daughter, they all will be excited about it as well, even more excited than they are now. And it would kind of give me and all of us an excuse to watch Michigan more than we do. We do watch, um, but it's sort of when it works, if that means anything.
0: Yeah. I'm guessing his first stop on campus will be four twenty Maynard, which is the Michigan Daily.
1: No, I actually don't think he has any interest in that, to be okay. honest with you. I think that he he's uh he's got he's got different interests than I do. He's I think he very much cares and is interested in business. I, I really don't know too much about business and so you know, I want him to do whatever makes him happy.
0: Okay. I wanted to ask you really quickly about your personal life because I think it's fascinating. You did a, a really touching story uh, about your wife's late husband. Uh, you met her on a blind date in 2006, and you were married less than a year later. Can you talk about what a whirlwind it was to meet her and get married so quickly?
1: Um, it was, uh, you know, uh, Rick Riley, who used to write for Sports Illustrated, um, he's been a good friend of mine, especially at that time, and, and, and he was joking, because when I got married, my wife had um her son he was 15 months old at the time of 9/11 when he lost his biological father, and she had um, two dogs at the time. Uh, one of which we kind of got together after we got engaged, and so he came to the engagement party, and it was sort of like, whoa, um, sort of like sea monkeys: add water, have family. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, I went from being a single guy for a long period of time to, you know, having a wife, a son. Two dogs living in the suburbs you know i was living in the city so it, it, it changed rather quickly and abruptly um but it worked out very very well and, and again very fortunate that it did
0: yeah and i heard you were up to five dogs at one point
1: that's very good yeah we were up to five and we're up to my wife we'd have 15 right now <laughs> um we have four our oldest dog they're all four. all four labradoodles uh Maggie's our oldest Labradoodle and, and she uh, had been fighting glaucoma for the last few years and lost her vision, all of her vision within the last few months. And so we, our oldest dog is a blind dog and, and she is the most caring and compassionate, kind, gentle, big dog. And so, um, you know, it's, a, it's up to us to kind of make sure that she's taken care of because she can't see anything. She can't see any, I mean, nothing, not even light, you know, nothing. So, um you know when i when I see that and I see that with her, I think about it. I, it really makes me very, very sad. But she's very happy because she had a lot of pressure in her eyes, and the glaucoma was making her live with migraine headaches for months and months, and it just was crippling, and so eventually uh she lost her vision, and actually they they were able to kind of I, I she had a couple of eye procedures to relieve the pressure, basically. Uh, but it left her completely blind. Um, anyway, long story short, we, you know, we, our oldest dog is, is blind. And, and we love her and we look after her um, like a child.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering, are you able to balance your life at home at all? Because I know you do four days on Long Island, and then you do three days in Bristol, if I read that correctly. And I'm just wondering, if you can't even take time off to work out without your phone, are you constantly being interrupted yeah. at dinner, or do you get any time just with family? You don't, you don't get a lot of time. Um, look, again, I think anybody who, who
1: does any job that's demanding you know, puts in a lot of hours, and so I'm not any different in that regard. My job happens to be a bit more public. Um, but again, to get to the point that I raised to you earlier, it, it does seem like it's gotten more relentless and more constant. And yes, like I, like you pointed out, I would never have my phone with me at workouts. It does come with me and now your workouts and the phone's ringing and texts are coming. It's like, you know, can I just get 45 minutes to get a workout It Can I just, and you can't even do it. You really can't. And so now you come home, you're with your family, you know, people are calling, um, texts are coming in, stuff is happening. It just, it never stops. And there's more people tracking the news from more media outlets than ever before with more attention on it than ever before. And so it just becomes, relentless. That's, that's just the way that it is.
0: Yeah, and I've heard that ESPN executives have begged you to take a vacation, but you won't do it. Why do you not just get well, away from it's it for not, a
1: while? It's not, it's, it's not, well, first of all, I mean, I, 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 to get away, you'd have to leave the country and go into an area where you had no cell service, really. <laughs> and and even then, um, that that's, that's not right, because people are calling you and, and they want to discuss certain things, or they have questions and what are you hearing? You know, my wife and I went away for our 10-year anniversary to Nantucket this year, which is one of the places that we went on our honeymoon. And on the Friday that we got to Nantucket, literally pulled up to the island, the Chiefs fired their GM. And all of a sudden, I've got a bunch of calls coming in from a bunch of people around the league. They want to know what happened in Kansas City. And you can't just say, "Yeah, listen, I'm away with my wife for the weekend. Can I get back to you? It just doesn't work like that. And so, you know, I spent a few hours that afternoon on the phone. And again, it's it's part of the territory. And my wife, you know, doesn't love traveling. She, you know, she's gotten pretty good at, about getting on planes, which she really hadn't done for a long time. Now she does a little of that, but she's not looking to leave the kids or the dogs. Uh, We don't trust anybody watching the dogs. You know, Maggie, our oldest dog, is blind, so you know you got to look after her. So um, it's not that I I wouldn't take a vacation. It's just that you know I think that my wife likes. To be around the house she doesn't like to leave uh there's certain responsibilities the job is what it is I, it's just it's just not that time in my life for me to take a vacation you know 10 years from now 20 years from now um hopefully I'll be fortunate enough to be able to take a vacation at that time
0: got it last thing I wanted to ask about was just about working ESPN at this time where I remember when I was growing up yeah. and when you were growing up you know people idolized ESPN and Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann these guys were heroes and I feel like now there's just so much hate for ESPN. I'm guessing you, you see that in your Twitter feed and from other people talking about, it seems like people celebrate when there's layoff announcements or controversies. Um, uh, are you able to block that all out, or how does that affect you? I, you know, listen, uh, you're not immune to it, but, but I,
1: I, I really don't. For some reason, someone, I don't know what happened my Twitter feed. I don't see the mentions and replies. I, I stopped looking at that stuff. So I only see um tweets from people that are verified or that I'm following, which I like it that way. Now that's not to say that I won't ever look at a timeline, like you know, you click on something you want to see some of the comments because Twitter can be very entertaining and humorous, it could also be very mean spirited, as we know. But I really I really don't pay a lot of attention to that. And uh, when I got hired at ESPN, my boss told me at the time he said, welcome to the New York Yankees. And, and he's right. You know, ESPN has become a beat unto itself. And there are a lot of people who love talking about ESPN, covering ESPN, writing about ESPN. I get it. You know, that, that, that's the way it is. But to me, I, I just, honestly, I just try to do my job every day. I try to work hard and I'll let everything else take care of itself.
0: Yeah. I was wondering, you know, I know you've gotten to be pretty friendly with the guys from pardon my take. But you work with Sam Ponder. Yeah. Did you totally stay out of that, or did you try and uh, smooth things over? Yeah,
1: honestly, I, I left that to them. I'll let let them handle that. I, you know, my experience with Sam, working with her, has been very positive, and I can only speak to that. Uh, I've enjoyed having her as a teammate. I think she's done a great job, and whatever happens with them is something that happens with them.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, one last thing I forgot about was. Uh, I know this is such a tough time in journalism, and we see newspapers falling apart left and right, and then even uh, you know huge companies like ESPN are laying people off. When you go and speak to journalism students, which I know you do quite a bit, do you tell them, hey, this is a shrinking industry, and, and if you go into it, you have to know that? Or are you still just, hey, if this is what you love, do it, and you'll rise to the top? I'm just curious if your advice has changed over the years as journalism has gotten tougher and tougher. Well, I, I don't think it's a shrinking
1: industry. I think it's an
0: evolving
1: industry. I think it's a changing industry. I still think that there's the need for people to gather and dispense information, for people to gather and tell stories, for people to recount what's going on. I, again, it's, just, it's a different time, and I think the industry is recalibrating. But I think there's always going to be the need for people to do what we do. And, again, how it shakes out over the years, I, I don't know that yet. None of us know. But, again, I still think there's the need for that. And it's there are so many different ways that people can break into the business. Like, I, I worked in newspapers for, like I said, over 15 years. And I don't think that anybody in today's day and age, no disrespect intended, is setting out to go work in newspapers for 15 years before they move on. I don't think that's the career path that a lot of people are going to be following today. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I, you know, I think today people could be blogging on their own, making videos, snaps, Instagram. Like I'm not even as up and hip with it as I should be. So I know that in this world, there's still the need for good writing and, and good reporting and good storytelling. And I like to think that there will always be that need, but it's obviously recalibrating in front of our eyes.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the saga with Sequel uh, Elliott, Jerry Jones, and the rest of what's going on in the NFL this year.
1: And Roger, and Roger Goodell and Colin Kaepernick and the National Anthem <laughs> and all those other things, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah.